Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 590 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Susan. She is a person who emails me a lot. Not a ton, but a fair amount. And I liked her emails and thought, well, I bet you I'd like Susan. And I did. And I think you might too. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I don't want to give this all away, so I'll just tell you that Susan was diagnosed at age 14, and she's just recently turned 60 years old. She's had type 1 diabetes for uh, quite some time. Her experiences are interesting, her perspective unique, and her style is delightful. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, Scott. How are I you? I feel like I know you, but you don't know me. <laughs> It's very weird. I feel like you think you know me, and I definitely don't know you. Oh, <laughs> anyway. that's that's the that's the whole point of this, right? I know. Right. So we don't see each other. Is that correct? It's just yes, yes. The, okay, that's like fine. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Find out more at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Get the meter that my daughter uses. This episode is also sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod Promise. You'll find out more about the Promise later, but right now, let me tell you that if you're interested in finding out if you're eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash, it's just a click away at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Hi, I'm Susan. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, which I never thought I would live in. And I have had type 1 diabetes. Well, next month will be my 45th anniversary. And so that, uh, you know, and I got it when I was 14 and had a bad start. <laughs> rough, rough many, many years. But Be- before I ask you about that, do you broadcast your voice for a living or have you in the past? You have a very lovely voice. Oh, you're so sweet. No, I was actually thinking about how I probably would hate my voice if I was hearing it today. And, mm. you know, but I just have to speak and not think about that because otherwise I would hate it. I, <laughs> and I, I would probably mess something up. Of all the but things that I, oh, you're very welcome. But of all the things that I don't expect from people, that's one of them, that they're very concerned with what their voice sounds like. And I always say the same thing, like no one knows what you sound like. Either, e- even you, by the way, you don't know what you sound like. Well, we hear our voices through the bones in our heads. So we don't hear our voices the way other people hear them. Yeah. No, but your your voice is um smooth. It's a little creamy, a little smoky, and then you modulate <laughs> once in a while. It's like you're doing it on purpose, but you're not, are you? No, not at all. Oh. That's really great, though. Yeah. I, I do love the idea of um, like uh, reading out loud. Uh, I used to do that with, you know, when my kids were little, I read to them out loud and, uh, you know, good. And I listen to podcasts and books on, you know, on audio. So I know that it matters. You know, but I, I was doing it very unconsciously. Well, no, it's so funny that that's what you thought of because the juxtaposition is I was thinking, you know, back in the 80s when those adult phone lines were open, you probably could have made a lot of money. So 
Oh goodness! All right, could really still use, uh, you know, like a a little from home occupation. So I don't think that is a business anymore, though. I mean, I think technology's gone past uh, a lady on the phone being nice to you. So yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's got to. Do you remember in back in the day, like at midnight, on you're watching television, all of a sudden, like a stark phone number would pop up in front of you and. Some girl in a what appeared to be a lingerie would start telling you to call her, and you were like, "Why is this happening?" And I really hope my parents don't see this while I'm. Well, on she the- had real smoky, creamy voice. Yeah. I mean, that was over the top. Yeah, I, I think you could. Lean yeah, into I mean, it. I know the type. I'm not that type, but like, <laughs> yes, I remember those. All right, now you're like, listen. This is not what I expected from this. Uh, tell me well, again. I've listened to enough of your interviews. Oh, you thought this was my that you, you, you know, and, and they're conversations, and that's that's really fine. Good, good, good. Um, four, you said 14 when you were diagnosed? I was. How old are you now? Can I ask? Well, 45th anniversary next month, and my birthday's in October. Should so we do it together? Just calculator. Right, so hold on. 45 is easy, and then you add 10 to it. That's what I would do. 55, right. and then you got to go get the four that you left behind. It makes you 59. That is correct. And um, I've tried, ever since I turned 50, I've trained myself to not be embarrassed to say that because Mm. it is a little bit of a mind bender when inside you feel young. And I do feel young inside in so many ways. I don't feel like what my impression when I was young of of what a 60-year-old would be. So Um, And I have friends of all different ages, which I really love. And I'm really proud of that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be 60 in October. It's very strange. Anyway, so, yeah, 14 years old. Really changed things. I would imagine. So uh, do you remember anything about it? About my diagnosis? Yeah, yeah. I remember. So it happened in June when I actually um, finally got a diagnosis. But I do remember. um, So I was in eighth grade. And I remember um, spending uh, like uh, probably two semesters of running to the water fountain as soon as class would let out, um, you know, and peeing a lot, all the classic symptoms. Um, But my mother, who was usually a, you know, run them to the doctor at the first sniffle, um, I think subconsciously she knew something was really going down. And I think she was, I'm surmising here, but I I do think she just, she knew that I had a regularly scheduled doctor's appointment in June. (laughs) So we waited it out. And I do also remember that the last week or two before that doctor's appointment, I was too sick to go to school. Like I was home Mm. and I remember orange juice. (laughs) I remember um, going to a fair we would have a memorial day fair in our town and there would be you know slurpees and candy cotton and stuff like that and i was not like a big sweets person but i remember like really screwy dietary choices because i didn't know what was going on in my body anyway then i got my diagnosis um you know i was in the hospital my parents came in and they were like deer in the headlights. And I kind of, <laughs> they sort of set a 14-year-old who didn't know what she was doing loose, you know, to her own devices. And my doctor was not, um, I, you know, if they, if it were my kid now, I would 
switch them to an endo right away, Mm -hmm. but they let my primary care physician be, you know, do everything. And I remember leaving the hospital after about a week saying, shouldn't I get a special diet or something? And I was told you can eat what you always eat. Just don't eat too much sugar. I mean, oh my God, Mm. (laughs) is that bad advice or what? So honestly, I don't even know how I stumbled through the last 40 years. I really don't. And I consider myself very, very lucky that I do not have any severe complications. That's. I mean, I'm a little frozen by it. Not because, not because my experience was so much different or that things are so much different now, but because of what you just said that you came out the other side. So like not effortlessly, but well, and how, like, do you ever think about that? Like the randomness of luck and. Oh, yeah, Yeah. because I think some of it was genetics, you know, because I can't account for it any other way. And I I just like I didn't know what I was doing. And it wasn't till. Honestly, there was it was it's been a life journey Mm. that I kind of only embraced in stages. So I met my future husband when we I was in my late 20s and that was the beginning of kind of wanting to take care of myself better um and I, I mean no one ever said hey listen you're really gonna have to do this on your own and because you see your endo like once every three months right. like they can't live with you every day so you're gonna have to do this and you you better study about it too and I really just ignored all of that um, and then I, you know, and then I, we decided we wanted to get pregnant and, um, you know, I knew I had to take care of myself on a different level to do that in preparation for it. And during the pregnancy, how did you know that the doctor told you or was it a feeling? Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember if it was like me reading or the doctor taught probably both, mm-hmm. but there was that image of you want to make your body your incubation (laughs) incubator like as as close to normal as possible and so as a pregnant mother you're 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 thinking oh my goodness like oh day 72 my blood sugar is high what part of the baby is developing today that i could be affecting for its life so you know that yeah i was really aware that i had to be really really careful and my blood sugars were great i was still on multiple daily injections i had an endo at the time i was living in new york city at the time and my endo had said Um, uh, I had asked him about these newfangled things called pumps. (laughs) Like, and he said to me, I know you, Susan, you, it will remind you all the time that you're diabetic. You will not like having one. And that was really bad advice. And I don't know whether he, um, some people have suggested that maybe he just didn't know how to help you, you know, have a patient with a pump. And I don't know, I'm not going to pin that on him. Maybe he really did think he knew me. Um, maybe, maybe Susan, and, people should keep the first thought they have inside of their head till they're sure about it. That's a problem <laughs> that people have. Like, oh, well, something what, has occurred to me. What right ended out of my up mouth. happening is um, when my son became a toddler, I found that I could not 
you know, I, 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 my blood sugars were all over the map because I was dealing with him first and dealing with me after. And I just thought, and by then we were living in New Jersey and I had a different endo who had handed me a VCR. Remember VCRs? Mm -hmm. She'd handed me a VCR um, about, about pumps um, from one of the pump companies. And she said, just keep it you know, one of these days, maybe you'll watch it. Maybe you'll be interested. And I remember <laughs> slipping it in my VCR player when my kid was about two, two and a half. And I said, cause I thought I'll, I'll never have any more children. If these are my blood sugars, I can't do it okay. right now. And I looked at that video and I said, Oh my goodness, I need one yesterday. Hmm. And we got a pump really fast. Um, I, I believe it was an animus. I'm trying to remember because right. we. I did stay on animus for a good long time until they. I'm amused quit. that your endo gave you a, a VCR tape and gave you the instruction like you hear from people when they want you to think about life insurance. Take the packet home. Look at it when you have time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, guess, that's interesting. I guess the older, the other endo, his, his voice was in my head. Maybe you're or, not going to like this, Susan. Yeah. You know, she didn't give me a hard sell, which was probably fine because then when it was meant to be, then, you know, mm-hmm. I moved on ahead. So then, oh, and the other thing that first endo had said to me was, I challenge you to show me a person on a pump that has as good blood sugars as you do. Now, I did get through a, a twin pregnancy on MDI and they were good blood sugars, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it. Of course, I, I don't know if he was looking at the hemoglobin A1C at the time, because we know that that is not the, like I knew I was getting highs and lows, right. not not necessarily during the pregnancy. Talk, but I mean, about that all the second. other times. What's that like? Because you're 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 an adult, right? Like, I don't mean that other people on here aren't adults. I mean, you've got experience on top of decades. So what is that really like when you know the truth and yet the person across from you is going, you're doing great. And when, when he says, or she says, you're doing great. And you're thinking, I'm not, I almost fell all over on the kitchen floor the other day. And then my blood sugar was 400 after I corrected it. Like why not speak up? It, it feels like going to a mechanic and you mm-hmm. know, the car won't stop. And the mechanic goes, oh, this thing's great. And you just go, okay. And you drive away. Like, why not go? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The brakes don't work. Help me. Well, I'll tell you exactly why. Yeah. Um, you know, it took a long time to change a mindset because I had, you know, I've been, I had been in that particular groove for a very long time. That's one thing. Um, I didn't have a, a I, I didn't have a concept of really where my blood sugar should be, like what was truly healthy. And I will tell you one other thing about my lows. Um, I think I've been enormously fortunate. I've never had a seizure. I know that you had that experience with Arden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never had a seizure. I have never passed out. I, I passed out once in my adult life and it had nothing to do with diabetes, believe it or not. Um, Is it when you found out you had to move to Florida? Pardon me? Did, when like, I find out what? <laughs> that I had to get to know. That you had to move know. to Florida? I'm um, honestly, we're, Florida. Jacksonville isn't like the rest of Florida, and we really love it here. Susan, people from all over Florida listen to the podcast. Be nice. <laughs> we, we, do like, we like our community very much. Um, but no, I just, um, I think, and I was never, I haven't been afraid of Lowe's. Right. Now, maybe some of that was ignorance. I mean, when, after hearing some stories on your podcast, I think, 
ooh, you know, maybe you should be a little bit more concerned. I could feel them even before I had the technology to show me where my blood sugars were heading. Mm-hmm. I could feel them. I never was insulin on, uh, or, you know, low, unaware. And I would treat them. And I, I never walk out of the house without juice boxes. So, you know, I love the name of your podcast. <laughs> is, you're very close to that. Um, is, it, is it sort and, of you know, like... The small ones. I found the small ones. The tiniest ones that fit in your purse. Uh, I'm always worried when I give them the art. I'm like, they're going to break open in there and ruin the purse. Like, that's what I always think about. It never happens. And I'm always... Gonna... By the way, whoever makes juice boxes is an engineering genius. Because you could basically throw them around and squeeze them. And they won't break... Anyway, props to that person. I've had like some be carried around along enough so that they start to lose their shape and then they <laughs> will start to leak a little and you, bit. And you think to yourself, I'm going to throw this one out. This one's done its job, even though I haven't drank it. Do, or, or do you, or do you follow through and drink it? Oh, um, it depends on if it's an emergency. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if it's starting to leak, I'm throwing it. But if you, you know, if I've discovered it, Say I'm in my bedroom and it's the morning and I'm refilling my handbag or something. Right. You know, if I'm somewhere, you know, it's, yeah. Try doing a, try doing a juice box with a mask on, on an airplane. I didn't do that. I decided that was not going to work because I recently flew to California. It's like, can't do it. (laughs) It's a two-handed proposition. And in order to remove the bottom part of your mask, if you're really trying to keep masked, you just can't do it. Can you imagine a person sitting next to you doesn't know you that's like, this lady's breaking the mask rules to have a juicy juice? That's odd. (laughs) You should have seen when my kids were little. Uh, I mean, my kids kind of understood that this was mommy's medicine. But I remember a friend of theirs one day looking at me. We were sitting in... um, in our synagogue and he looked at me and he was really young and I, he wanted one too. And I said, I'm so sorry. This is my medicine. <laughs> Can't give you Get one. away kid. Uh, I saw a gentleman at an event one time who had type one, who was a massive person. You know, he was six, four and probably weighed 240 pounds. And he was this huge guy and he was walking around drinking this juice. And it was, it just looked so much tinier in his hand than it does <laughs> anywhere else. And it, it felt both kind of um, initially ridiculous, and then the more I looked at him, I thought, look at how kind of like effortlessly and without consideration, this grown giant person is wandering around and just drinking. And it felt nice afterwards that he didn't feel odd about it. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah. but, but back to my yeah. question, though. Like, So all that time prior, and the doctor just tells you like, hey, whatever, you, you, you say you have to change your your perspective and, right. and, and your idea of what good is. And, and you're telling a common story that most people tell. I met a person. I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to have a children. I wanted to be healthier, like that kind of yeah. stuff. That seems to be very human. That idea of I don't need to better myself until it benefits someone else. I, I've given up on understanding it. It just seems like that's how it is. Um, I don't think I connected that actually embrace like I do now, but I know now that the better I take care of myself, the, you know, then, then like, I have to pay a lot of attention to diabetes in order to have a better quality of life. And 
in the past, I thought that ignoring the diabetes as much as I could, it was rare and I had to deal with it when it was too high or too low. But I really like, oh my goodness, when you're on, well, when I first started taking injections, it was lente and regular and it sets your course for the day. Yeah. You know, and I bucked against that. And honestly, I don't think it was ever well, I was ever well schooled in it, but I just like pumps were made for me. I needed to be able to <laughs> live my life in, a, you know, where life was coming first, not whatever schedule um, was what? set for me. And I, and as I said, my parents were deer, deer in the headlights. So I didn't really, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't really try to educate themselves Um, you know, I wasn't sent to diabetes camp. I didn't know any other type one diabetics for decades. Right. And you were, (laughs) it was an island. My math is right. You were diagnosed in the mid seventies ish. Yeah. 76. Everyone was else was celebrating the, um, you know, the the, the centennial or bicentennial. Well, but my, where I was going with that is, do you remember how old your parents were around that time ish? I could figure it out. Let's see. Yeah, mom would have been about 44 because she had me when she was 30. So your mom was born in the mid-30s then? Pardon me? Your mom was born in the mid-30s, meaning Mm -hmm. that she grew up in a world where, like, people got sick and died. Like, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't – her her space wasn't, you know, like, oh, you get sick and then – someone figures it out or they give you this neat medicine that does something or it was like, she was only, I mean, she grew up in a time where friends died, where people went to the hospital and didn't come back for things that today you don't even think of as being dangerous. That's so interesting. I'm sure she's passed now, but that'd be very interesting to hear from somebody. Like, I wonder if you were diagnosed and she just thought, uh Oh, we lost one. Well, here's the irony of irony. Well, first of all, she, I was her firstborn. Mm-hmm. And she had already lost a a, a brother uh, in infancy, not infancy, but like toddler, uh, young adulthood, like maybe four to leukemia, and then another brother in the Korean War. Mm. So no, she wasn't going to let me go easily, I don't think. But um, where was I going with that? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. When you said Korean War, it made me think of MASH. So my head danced awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember the first episode. Like, literally, I remember watching it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I know people don't understand that idea anymore of, like, being somewhere on a day at a time to watch a TV show. But um, yeah. But, but, yeah, but, but my point just was, is like, I wonder how much control she felt like she had. Probably none. And maybe she thought you were a better option than she was. Which is ridiculous. I mean, you're a parent. I'm a parent. You know, 14-year-olds are <laughs> are not really good at things uh, most well, of the time. No, I was terrible. I will also say, in her defense, I was a very headstrong kid. Mm. And if someone tried, I mean, she probably, <laughs> you know, first of all, she she did trust my intelligence. But, you know, I don't think she had an, any clue as to what she was really, you know, leaving me up to here right. but i really was very headstrong so um you was know, she so aware that. that you would get dizzy that you would like that the things that would happen to you because you know it, it just occurs to me while we're talking that 
you've had so much experience with this. I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying it's 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 a nice thing. Like you have a, a depth and uh, length of experience mm -hmm. to, to be able to, to tell me if living prior to faster acting insulin pumps, the CGMs, that idea, did you just feel like you were, I don't know, driving with your eyes closed and just waiting to hit something to turn the other direction? In retrospect, absolutely. In retrospect, completely. How much do you think that impacted your life? I'm going to start today by speaking about the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. My daughter, who is 17 years old, has been wearing an Omnipod every day since she was four. Every day, the Omnipod. And it has been nothing but a friend through this entire time. Omnipod is tubeless. It is wireless. And it is lovely. Just this little pod that you wear. It holds the insulin right inside of it. And so it doesn't have to be connected back to some controller that's holding your insulin. It's all with you constantly. When you need to make an adjustment or give yourself insulin, you pull out a little handheld device and you push a couple of buttons. Bada bing, bada boom, it's all done. Back in your bag, back in your pocket with the device. And that's that. This tubeless thing, it's important because you can shower, bathe, swim with the Omnipod on. You don't have to take it off. All of the other insulin pumps that are wired like that, you have to take them off to enter the water. Not with Omnipod. Isn't that convenient? It is. How about when you're playing sports or doing activities where you're worried that your tubing might get caught? You don't have that concern with an Omnipod. Now you can go to Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more about this. But before you go, let me tell you this one brief story. It's crazy, and it's true. A friend of mine recently broke their finger in an insulin pump tubing accident. Now, I realize that is a something that's not going to happen every day. But as soon as I heard that, I thought, well, that wouldn't happen with Omnipod. No tubing. Don't worry, she's okay. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Head over and find out if you're eligible for the free 30-day supply of the Omnipod-Insulin Pump. You can also ask them to send you a free demo pod or just poke around the website. And if you're thinking, well, Scott, I will, but maybe not today because I'm waiting for that next big thing from Omnipod. If you're thinking that, you don't have to because there's no need to wait for the next big thing because with the Omnipod promise, you can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technologies for no additional cost as soon as they're available to you and covered by insurance. Terms and conditions apply. But like I said, they promise you can upgrade. So get started with Dash today. And if something different comes out later that you want, Omnipod promises you can upgrade. All right, now let me tell you about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. It is small, easy to hold, easy to use, has a super bright light, is incredibly accurate, and offers second chance test strips. Honestly, that's all I should have to tell you. I should stop right there and go contournext.com forward slash juicebox. But I'm gonna tell you more. I'm gonna give you my opinion. It's super simple. When it comes to blood glucose meters, in my opinion, we don't pay enough attention to the quality of the meter, the quality of the number that comes back from the test. Is it accurate? It's important. And for some reason, we don't think about it. We just take whatever meter the doctor gives us. But you don't have to do that. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter may be cheaper in cash than you're paying right now through your insurance for your meter. It is definitely incredibly accurate and it offers second chance testing. That means if you touch that strip to blood, but don't get quite enough, 
you can go back and get more without ruining the test strip or the quality of the results. It's important. So just look into it. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Take you a couple of minutes to upgrade your gear. Do you really want to be making decisions with bad numbers? Of course not. Pardon me? How much do you think that reality impacted your life? Of of not, um, of kind of driving blind? Yeah, of the feeling that you're walking around knowing that at any moment without, without any kind of warning, someone might run up behind you and smack you in the back of the head. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're, is that not how it felt? Like, it feels to me that's what it would be like, but I don't. I think because you're so schooled in it, you, your daughter was diagnosed and you made it your business because, and because we're able to, right? We have the internet, we've got all these, these tools. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I think I got by, by ignoring the reality you're talking about. I really do. I don't think I, um, Okay. I, I think as much as I could. You know, and, and there were times when I couldn't ignore it. Like when I was, okay, so I've heard of parents who worried that their, their diabetic child shouldn't live alone. I was fearless. I moved, you know, we, I grew up in the suburbs of New York, northern suburbs. And, you know, when it was time for me to go to school, I left high school early and, you know, graduated early and went straight to New York City. And never for a moment do I remember my parents ever saying they were worried, you know, worried I wouldn't wake up one morning or worried, I, you know, um, they, fearless. I was fearless about it. And, you know, not only in retrospect, does it occur to me that maybe, maybe they should have worried or maybe I should have worried. Um, Susan, but when this I is was your life and you're looking back, oh, no. 18, I ended up, I did end up in DKA okay. and I ended up in the hospital. Um, I remember the Shah of Iran was in the same hospital at the time. So huh? that dates me a bit. Um, and you know, and, and and then I think after that, I kind of went back to how I muddled through. Where did DKA come from? Did you stop giving yourself insulin? No, I just must have really been out of whack. No, no, no. I never, you know, I never did any of those like, oh, don't give your, you know, uh, manipulate your insulin so you'll lose weight. I, I, I don't think I understood that one could even do that. I feel like that back then there are some people who would just stop taking their insulin in silent protest. I never did that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting because it is a personal protest. It, and mm-hmm. if any, yeah, by the way, anyone listening who's ever done that, who wants to come on and talk about it specifically, I'd be thrilled about that. But um, just the idea of like, I don't want to have diabetes anymore. Let me see how long I can go without paying attention to it. Um, that wouldn't work very well. No, no. It <laughs> do- and, and by the way, way, it doesn't <laughs> work easily. well, but I don't think that it was uncommon or maybe is still common for people. I will tell you a couple of things that I think are in retrospect surprising. One is that I never felt sorry for myself and I still don't. Mm-hmm. I think between my parents, like I couldn't, I knew the minute I was diagnosed, I knew intrinsically that I was stuck with this for life. And so that, and and somehow feeling sorry for myself didn't seem like it was going to 
get me anywhere. Um, not that I didn't have depressions about other things at different parts of my life. Um, but I've never sat, I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? That I've never sat around feeling sorry for myself about the diabetes. And in fact, now with some of that wisdom and everything, I look at some of the things that diabetes has brought me in terms of my relationship with my body mm-hmm. as blessings. Like mm-hmm. I talk about the, oh, that's one of the blessings of diabetes. Like the fact that I'm so, I I did become, oh, and here's another, okay. I did become very aware of my body as much as I wasn't like maybe in terms of diabetes, in terms of other things, what was going into my body diet wise, I became, you know, pretty, I have a baseline knowledge of nutrition. Um, So I think one of the other things, not just the luck and the genetics, but also the fact that I have mostly been vegetarian or a fish eating that, you know, a piscatarian, this was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. Like 17. Ah. So I do think that's helped a lot. And in fact, I used to, it used to annoy me when I used to get diabetes forecast years ago in the mail, um, (laughs) which I did only sporadically and probably hardly ever really looked at. One of the things that annoyed me about it was that I felt like they should be shouting from the rooftops that everyone should be vegetarian. Like it seemed to make so much sense to me, but you know, they didn't do that. I so. was in that magazine once. That's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> you, you were in it? Oh, now I have to go look. I don't know where. I just remember having somebody send me a copy and say, look, they're talking about you in this thing. And I was like, oh, I didn't know That's how to me. feel about that exactly. <laughs> it was it was fun at the time. I don't know where the magazine is now. Um, but So you got to something on your own that I've been wondering the whole time you were talking. Because it wasn't just luck. It Mm -hmm. was, you were kind of for many years just putting in insulin, eating on a schedule, but not eating really high carb or high sugar items. So the insulin was probably having a good go of it against the food, even though you're pretty blind to it because you're just really testing that A1C every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And so your health was able to stay there. Like, isn't that strange that if you would have been like a different eater, you'd have a different outcome right now. I think that's true. But yeah. I will say, I, I can remember vividly in high school thinking, oh, good, my blood sugar's low. I can have some Hagen dazs now. I mean, I wouldn't do that yeah. now. In fact, it really has taken me a so long. It's been such a journey. But I, 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 I in, in fact, I'm, in, my mantra these days is, treat your lows with, with, you know, with some juice that you can titrate because food, even if you know what's on the package with the, and I, we love nutrition labels, right? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't treat it the same way. And it, you know, it can throw me off. So I'm like, yeah. don't forget, just have the juice. Don't look at it as an opportunity to have those blueberries or that, you know, whatever, whatever the, you know, filling your own food. Mm-hmm. Um, Still learning, still learning so much. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It must be hard, I should say, not to have that feeling because I've seen that happen to Arden where she's like, wait, I'm getting low. And she mm-hmm. lights up. She's like, this is my shot, you, you know, and then she'll roll into the kitchen and just grab something that she normally wouldn't eat, I think. Um, she's so lucky to have you to catch it on the other end. I mean, because you, you're when I first started listening to this podcast and listen to the way you, in fact, when I first started listening, it confused me a little 
about, you know, whether it was you, you had diabetes or, or your daughter, because you would speak about it like it was yours, but um, which is kind of beautiful. I never had a parent that did or anyone who did that. Right. Well, I, it's very nice of you to say it that way, because that's not usually how I hear back from adults with type one about it. They're like, you talk about like you have it, you don't have it. And they're mad. And I'm like, I don't think I have diabetes. And I certainly am not trying to sound like I do. Oh, it's, you know, people are too critical. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I, yeah, I went I went cold turkey from Facebook a while, a couple of years ago. I'll, and yeah. I don't miss it. And and I just like it's it's just a, a wash with people who are, who take you know, feel safe being critical of each other. I I think all those people should try recording their conversations for five hours every week and see if they don't once or twice speak it in a way that they don't mean. You you know what I mean? Like if I end up saying like... I try not to be too judgy. You're very nice. Um, Well, okay. So a lot's happened so far. Let's figure out what to do next. You... So you've kept up this eating style your whole life. Mm-hmm. All right. And how much, did- except when I went to Europe at one point where I didn't want any dietary restrictions. So I ate, you know, everything that, w- everything and anything that was put in front of me. Not, I don't remember desserts so much. What I remember is eating like sausages, which um, I, you know, I, I, I am Jewish. I did not grow up in a kosher home. I'm quite kosher now, but um, uh, I, I had a, a squid. I had, I mean, I like everything. I, and, and I do remember going to bed with bottles of Perrier, like just taking them up to bed with me. Think, what, and so and thinking, I knew how to say I am diabetic in like three languages at the time, just so I could get, you know, get through what you needed. So your idea was just, you're going to culturally experience what exists where you are. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't, I idea. wanted to, I, I dropped the vegetarianism for a period of time and then, and then picked it up again Hmm. later, a few years later, it really kind of, it took a few years to get back to it. I'm the only one in the house that really likes fish. And then, which means I don't get fish. Do you know what I mean? So I wish I lived with more people who enjoyed the same food I did. Uh, But yeah, you should come to my house. I make great fish. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I would like that. Uh, Now I just Jacksonville. If I, I just, you know, you find yourself in a situation where you're cooking for other people and you think, well, this isn't what I would make if I was cooking for myself, but okay, here we go. Oh, I get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, I've been, two of my three just moved out of the house across the country and already the load is so much lighter and I don't have to, you know, I've only got three different taste buds to cater to instead of five. So what's it's kind of nice. What's that like? to have adult children move far away. That's one of my big fears. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for them and they've been wanting to go to LA for quite a while. The only thing that stopped them was when LA locked down Mm -hmm. and, and we were finally able to talk sense into them. And then of course um, I made sure that they were both vaccinated before I would let them go. Other than that, you know, I raised my kids to be independent and they neither, neither of them wanted to go to college. There's still money sitting there waiting for them. If they ever decide they're both, I have a house full of creatives mm-hmm. and they are both musicians. And, you know, so I, I finally said, okay, then since I don't understand 
how you think you're going to land there, you know, by just looking up apartments online, maybe one of you should come out with me and we'll try to find you an apartment. So at least then I'll know where, where you're going to be. Right, right. And that's what we did. And now, now they, and then they rented a Penske truck and they drove across country. Wow. See, all of that sounds amazing. But what about the part where you don't get to talk to them or see them as frequently? Well, I, I'm not to say, not, not going to say I, I'm not going to miss them because I will. Um, and I have my own agenda because um, I've put my life on hold for many, many years um, to raise them. Right. So I, I'm looking forward to, I'm, I'm an artist <laughs> that doesn't get to really do much art. And right. I'm really looking forward to getting back to my studio. Um, and we are planning a trip to LA in July. So yeah. we will get to see them. And, and, you know, and there's technology and FaceTime. And I think, um, I think they will be calling quite a bit because they're really, it's their first time on their own. Even my 22 year old, he was home all this time yeah. since high school graduation. And so it's really their first time navigating life. Right you know, in a big city in Los Angeles. And I think they'll be calling. I have to tell you, the whole thing sounds right. And that's what I hope too. I've done the same thing. I want my kids to be, you know, Arden's already talking about where to go and she's still in high school. Mm-hmm. And my son makes, you know, a lot of comments like, well, when I move to wherever I move to, which I feel like mm-hmm. means, you know, I think sometimes you bring your kids up in a nice suburb because you want it to be like cozy and safe and nice. And what it ends up feeling to them is boring. You, you know, and then they're like, right. well, let me roll out of here. Um, and I'm excited for all that, that they would consider it, that they would do it, that they're not scared. All that makes me happy. I just mm-hmm. don't want to not see them. But I'm wondering if I would get to a point like you where I'm just like, yeah, I did my time. Like, I'm good. You, you know, like, I'll see them when yeah. I see them. That that kind of seems beautiful to me. Um, so I'm hoping my, for my lovely mother that we've talked about a couple of times already, um, she really, um, there was a, I mean, she was a, she was a really good mother. Um, and I, as I get older, I feel how much of her is in me. And she was a very kind person. The, 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 the part where there was a mismatch is that she just wanted, you know, to, to kind of, she wanted me to be demonstrative, demonstratively close and loving to her. And because she didn't give me the space to come to her, she always made the, all the first moves. Um, the, the headstrong kid that I was, I kind of backed away. Mm-hmm. And I have never done that to my own kids because of my own experience. I've always, and, and because also they're boys, you know, there comes a time where oh gosh, we can't have public displays of affection, right? So I, you know, I I, I would ask them, you know, can I have a hug? And my, my boys are extremely affectionate and I think I'm so lucky. Um, so I, you know, I, I think even in this moving out part, I think letting them call when they have the time and when they need to, for me, that's the way to go. Now, my husband's a little different. He's the one who's who's going to have, you know, way harder empty nest syndrome because he's also the one who went to work every day in his not nine to five job and missed 
you know, a lot of day-to-day interaction with them. Oh, so when so, they were older and decided not to go to college, that's probably the most time he got to spend with them. Yeah. yeah. And and all three of them have made that same decision. And, and we're talking about, um, you know, coming from a mother who, you know, I, I only got my bachelor's, but I went to college. My husband, you know, he's... <laughs> he went on and and got ordination i mean he's he he's my kids are lifelong learners though they're very very they're very they're like one of them's actually an autodidact i would call him he's such a you know an independent learner so i mean i don't worry about them but they know that it's there as an option the thing about college and i think it it'll help you to think about this is that it is like a halfway house to life. It's like this safe halfway house. Yeah. They can be independent there in a safer environment than if you just let them out loose in LA. But mm. that's what my kids want to do. And I can't <laughs> live my life for them. That's so I hope, you know, your listeners um, don't last you for for this guest but i really you know i think they're going to be fine no no i i appreciate your message i also think that you know everyone listening who has little kids you i know you guys can't wrap your head around it you know that you're just one day going to be like all right go ahead leave goodbye um but it's gonna happen so Uh you know it's not gonna not happen and this is what we raise them for i mean we raise them to be independent stand on their own two feet figure life out you know, this is how I raised them anyway. Yeah. Oh, I've thought of my life very, you know, very simply. Um, I just, I want to do a really good job with my kids. And then I want to hopefully have enough time to do something fun at the end. Like, it just seems yeah. like that to me. Like, it's pretty basic. Uh, I know. And I had my kids later. And I mean, I, I had my, I, I had the, the last two who are 18 now you know, I was 40 when I gave birth to them. Wow. So I've been waiting a long time to, you know, take this maturity that I've gained and this time I'll now have and like now live my life again. And I just always pray that I will live long enough to, you know, to, to create things that I'm proud of and feel like I'm leaving, you know, something behind and, you know, it, all the, all the art that's in my head that I'm hoping to create that, it, that I may, I have enough time to get it out there. I know how you feel. I always think that whenever whoever leaves last will leave. I'll close the door, back up, trip, crick, bang my head on a table, and drop dead. And I'll be like, no, as I'm falling over, I'll think, no, 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 no. I just don't. Oh, I, this is my oh, biggest. You know, I know. need to get yeah. a little more lucky at the end. Um, hey, do you have any other autoimmune issues? Yes, um, I have a thyroid deficiency. I actually did recently uh, get tested to see if it was Hashimoto's or not, and it is not. Mm-hmm. And I've had that since I was 15. So it was about a year after I was diagnosed. And yes, there are in my family too. My Both my grandmother and my mother ended up with type 2 diabetes after I, you know, I, I kind of I always joke that I was ahead of the trend, like everyone, everyone's getting diabetes now. I'm, you know, I was ahead of, ahead of the curve, even in my own family. Um, and yeah, I think it all comes on my mom's side. My, my grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis. My mother ended up with something called myelofibrosis, hmm. which, you know, ended up 
killing her, but she she definitely lasted beyond what the doctors predicted. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it for me. And the kids are don't have anything going on. Um, one of my kids has GERD, you know, has has reflux, mm-hmm. but I don't think that is. I don't know if that's considered autoimmune. Um, no, they're pretty, there's some allergies and, uh, we, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty good. Thank God. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, esophagitis is often caused by stomach fluid that flows back into the food pipe. The fluid contains acid, which irritates the tissue. The problem Mm -hmm. is called, wow, I'm not going to try to say that, but it's GERD, uh, an autoimmune disorder called isophilic esophagitis is also causes this condition. So GERD's right. not, but there is a condition that's autoimmune that can cause it apparently. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. Oh, I mean, GERD definitely runs in my family on my dad's side. My dad died of esophageal cancer and his older brother did. And that doesn't run in families, but GERD can. Um, and that's a precursor. Um, it can cause the esophageal cancer. Yeah. How old was your father? My dad was um, around seventy. Wow. A, little, a little older. I, I um, they found that I had a little bit of that too. So when I when they couldn't figure out my iron thing at first, and I got you know, I don't know what they call it, but I got scoped from both sides. Um, right. They found lots of fun, right? Yeah. yeah there's like, I, I'm I. I know it's not really, it's not precancers, but there's some sort of cells that they find on the wrong side of like your stomach and your esophagus. Like, so there's oh. like some stomachs, I guess if I'm wrong about this, I apologize, but I guess something that belongs to my stomach is in my esophagus. And oh, then they just go back every couple of years and check. And the guy's like, Oh, if we find it, we'll just like clean it out. And he's like, you know, if you pay attention to it, it should never cause you a problem. But it is one of those right. things that could lead to what, what got your father apparently. Right. So. Right. No, 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 you definitely have to take care of it. Um, and, and scoping as fun as that is, that's, I guess that's the best way. And you've got a doctor who's on it. So, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, Itamar's gotten scoped and uh, my sister's got Barrett's esophagus. My uncle, my dad's younger brother has Barrett's. So um, I, to the best I've been scoped to, to the best of my knowledge, I do not have the issue. Um, but God knows. Um, I've got enough others, so yeah. Diabetes <laughs> is like say, kind of taking up a lot of time here. Barrett's is what like I heard in the conversation, but it was like precursor to I don't remember. Maybe I should yeah. have paid closer attention. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you can look it up. So turns out in the moment when it when it was when I was going through it, my iron was so low I couldn't pay attention. So it's uh, much better yeah. now. Actually, yeah. Well, this is yeah. um, you know, you. I have to tell you that I get a lot of notes from people thanking me for having on, you know, they say older people who have type one. Um, <laughs> but I just, I guess it's just sort of um, because of the way social media works and where the sweet spot is for the ages of people who are most commonly on social media, people over mm-hmm. 50 get a little ignored, um, mm-hmm. you know, just because they're not as common online. But I think they are common. I just don't think you hear from them as much. I used to be, but I'm just not anymore um, because I want to live my life and not, you know, not through a screen so much. But I will tell you, it was social media that first 
made me feel less of an island. I was I was feeling so alone one night many years ago, and I thought to myself, someone out there's got to be, you know, writing about type one diabetes or something. And I found Six Until Me, Carrie Sparling's mm-hmm. blog. Um, and that was like, I, I read it regularly for a while because it made me feel less alone. Well, someone else is getting their tubing stuck on, um, you know, on handles in the bathroom. Right. And it was just uh, like, just the little things about having to live with this. I, I just loved it. Yeah. And I felt less alone. I think her, I think her blog is um, closed up now. I don't think she. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I know. I went back to it recently and saw that it was closed. Doing something? other things. I, I, I guess you can only write about your tubing getting caught. Not she. she <laughs> I'm joking. She wrote a lot about a lot more than that. Uh, yeah. But I guess at some point you just run your course with things. You know, yeah. I, I don't know her. Um, yeah, but she also. I, I mean, it sounds like she also turned to other things. Like she wrote poetry and wrote a book and. Oh, that's you know. so cool. That's really great. I thought her blog was enormously useful. It was, you know, I didn't immerse myself in every single person writing about diabetes. Like I, you know, I don't have that kind of time anyway. Mm. So I, I found hers. I liked it, you know, in terms of podcasts, I found yours and I liked it. Like I don't listen to other ones. So. And there's no reason you should. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause yours is the best. We know that. Well, that I mean, not just that, but because how much are you going to listen to before you're just like, Okay, yeah. I and mean, there's not a lot of extra things to say, you know. What else? I mean, it's it's somebody. Right. In the end, you have to like the person who's saying it and right. the perspective they have and stuff like that. Um, well, the pro tips are amazing too. That just, you know, I've I, my primary <laughs> care physician's son got diagnosed um, recently. We think it. They think it's type two right now. But I was like, listen to these. This is what you need. Like make sure he listens to them. So yeah, that yeah. I have to be honest. Like that was um, you know, I, making the pro tip series was good for me. Like it was a growth thing. I, I excuse mm-hmm. me one second. <clears throat> it's the spring here, and I'm allergies yeah. are not pleasant for me. Um, it, it was a it was a it was a human growth thing for me because mm-hmm. I I thought okay the podcast is doing well. And it has these ideas. And I do think that even though I've been having conversations and things come up inside of conversations, you know, I'm seeing people have enough success with these ideas. I should put them all in one place and, and, right. and, and segment them a little better, you know, be an right. adult, you know. And so I was getting ready to do it and I, I could have done it. And then I just thought, no, I should add jenny to this like jenny will will bring a different perspective she'll keep me like focused um you know she'll be able to talk about things that i can't speak about it so it'll it'll be more it'll be medical and personal like together you know and um you know it's funny like i there are people who could listen to this podcast and think that jenny you know like is Jenny's involved in the in the episode she's involved in. All I mean to say is that like if you think of the podcast as a candy store, I own the candy store. Um, you know, but Jenny <laughs> works behind. I thought of, yeah. of going for your CDE because I I just I, I always have been, you know, it would be such a great fit. One would think, although I know you love podcasting, but you know, have you ever thought of that? so a lot of people say it to me. 
Uh, just like there's something in one of your emails that you said that a lot of people said to me, but I, I'm going to get to that before we end. Um, have I thought of it? I'm not a book learning person. I'd be terrible at it. I don't even yeah. know if I'd pass it, to be perfectly honest. Um, but it's so interesting that what all that you've come to has completely then been seat of your pants life, you know. It's it's been that's that's interesting, but it that's self knowledge too. It all comes from what I said earlier, which I I have a very deep desire to be a good parent, mm. and this is what happened to my daughter. So yeah, th- this is what it needed. Like if she would have um, not gotten diabetes, but decided she wanted to ride a horse, I'd know a lot about horseback riding now. Right. Y- you know, um, it, it really is just what happened. I just. Um, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So right. when I said to my wife, I want to have kids, I didn't mean like I'd be super interested in it for a while. Um, so this is just what happened. And then you, you mentioned earlier, like people have the internet, but I didn't have the internet. And it's so funny you brought Curry Sparling up because back when I started a blog, I believe that it was her another guy named Scott and a guy named George, those were the only three diabetes blogs that I was aware of at that time. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really aware of them. I didn't become aware of them until later when someone said to me, because I really had like, when I was doing it, I thought, oh my God, this is genius. Why has no one else ever done this before? But the internet was very new. And then somebody said, oh, there are other people doing it, but it wasn't a thousand people. It wasn't what it turned into eventually, which was over 4,000 blogs. It was like three other people. Mm -hmm. And then mine came on, some others came on, but I was so bad at um, search engine optimization, meaning I didn't know that it existed, that I was writing, but no, you couldn't Google me. So Mm -hmm. my blog grew completely word of mouth. And that ended up being why it grew slower than the other ones did. So mine mm-hmm. was never big. Nobody ever thought anything until suddenly one day it was. Um, and then I learned about SEO and how to, you know, come up in a Google search. And that that broadened it. But at the same time, it only lasted a couple of years. I think of them as seasons. Isn't that funny now? A couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then people stopped reading. Like people were just like, I'm not going to read your 600 word blog post. Like I'm not doing that, you know? Um, and then the the podcast came from that. But everything that I learned about diabetes in there, I figured out like living in it because yeah. I didn't have anybody else to ask. And I wasn't opening up that stupid book with the panther on the front of it. So I just, <laughs> and by the way, it might be I a great book. book I, have, I have no idea. There's a pink panther book they used to give you when you were diagnosed. And maybe oh. it's a terrific book. But my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I didn't ask questions at the doctor's office. I didn't read anything. The internet didn't really exist. Um, so I just kept intently watching what was happening and tried to figure out how to make it happen better or worse or sooner or later by manipulating the insulin. And then right. wrote about it and brought some ideas together. And Well, you've been you know. part of my sea change. I would say you and getting, you know, because Animus went out of business, I had to get a new pump. And Mm -hmm. I really looked at what was on the market. And I looked at the Omnipod, but I really felt like it was big. It felt big. The first (laughs) first one. Yeah. But, um, and I chose the tandem and, uh, and getting the, the 
G6 Dexcom at the same time, which I had tried in earlier iteration, but, and I just felt like at the time it was so expensive for me to do, and I was still pricking my fingers all the time. So I decided I would just wait until they came out with one where I didn't have to prick my fingers and boy, howdy, they did. It was, and it's been, well, actually I'm one of those people that it will very often quit before it's 10 days, Mm -hmm. which I wish it didn't do that, but I call Dexcom all the time. But they're they're a wonderful company with really good customer service, and you know they yeah. always replace them. They they've so, been on enough times and described to me that like, look, this is a thing that goes on to a human being. Like we make the thing, then your body chemistry comes in. So if it yeah. lasts less days or fewer days for you, my wife would be so proud of me that I didn't say less days and I caught myself. Uh, fewer days for you than it does for Arden, who by the way wears her Dexcom. I would say 99.5% of the time, right out to the last minute, it stays on it. Yeah. And it works great. great. But I, I know I've asked them. Too. I mean, I, I went one day, they actually even got me on with um, a nurse that's on their staff. And I said, Do you, you know, could it, could it be that I'm hitting scar tissue because I've been diabetic for so long and so many things have gone in my abdomen? Could it be, you know, all these like we, I said, look, if you ever decide you're going to do research on the people, you know, the chemistry of the people who it doesn't work the full 10 days for, like, uh, sign me up. I would love to do that. Um, But yeah, they didn't have a good answer. And so I just live with it because it is really good technology while it's working. And it's, you know, I always just hope that it doesn't poop out at a point where I really need it. Like there have been some really bad times where I'm like, oh, this is like, I'm walking for, you know, for the next hour and I don't have my Dexcom. And it just goes away. But, yeah. And, that, and also the, dis, um, I have two other pieces that have made a big difference. One is um, I, my insurance company said I could have a, a coach through something called Vita Health. Mm-hmm. And that's been really wonderful. I, I really campaign to make sure that coach was a CDE. And the person I have right now knows a lot about tandem and she's, um, she's been trained specifically in tandem. So we are working to tighten up um, my settings and, you know, cause I know that it can be better. And then the last piece, and, and she's just been amazing. The last piece is that I finally decided to get an Apple watch and having my blood sugars on my wrist has been instead of you know having to pull out a pump or find my phone, has been really great. Yeah, uh, I'm really hopeful that uh, the Dexcom G7 will go directly to Apple Watch. If that happens, that would be terrific. I can't right? wait because yeah. yeah, that was what was holding me back. And one day I just said, you know, it's not even worth it. I'll just let me just uh, get one. And they had a really good deal, so I that did it. A, that's excellent. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was in one of your emails, mm-hmm. um, Susan emails me not frequently, but reasonably frequently, more than other people, um, uh, you you asked a question that a lot of adults with type 1 ask me. Do you remember the one? It's it's, it's how, about Arden. How are you going to give this to Ar- this knowledge to Arden? Yeah, how are you going to hand it off? Because you're, you're very um, hands-on. And, and I think you've a- actually answered it in a couple of your interviews, too. Yeah, I, but I wondered what the... Uh, if you could help me more with what the question is, was it a physical, how are you going to put thoughts into somebody else's 
person or how are you going to let go of something you're so involved in? Which part of it did you mean more? I don't think it was. I guess it was more about somewhere in between all of that. Like if, and I, and I've heard, I've since heard you speak about the two of you making decisions together, or you'd say, how many carbs do you think this is? So you actually have been trainer all along. But I think when I wrote that, I thought you were maybe doing all of it or most of it. And she was probably younger at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when I, you know, of the interviews I had listened to at that point. Yeah. Um, so I guess, and also knowing that I I had well I had had bad training but I had had to handle mine from a young age. I I also believe I I kind of think it is important for young people. Like I I don't like when schools say you have to do it this way. You have, you know, and I know you don't like that either. Right. Um so I think it it had to do with how are you how are you how were you going to transition between you know, you have holding most of the knowledge and most of the, most of the con- control, but I'm not saying control, like, cause you're controlling, no, but you know, being the parent and her starting to do that herself. And it sounds like you're already doing that. I, I'm just interested because, because you have the time and the experience and so do most people who ask the question. And so I'm so always I'm interested in what it is they're concerned about or what happened to you that makes that be your concern when you hear our dynamic. Well, like, I did feel as or I, I thought, you know, also thinking about that leaving home aspect, there will come a time in the not too distant future because she's what, 16 or 17 right now? Yeah. Where she, you know, she'll go off to college, presumably, but maybe not necessarily. My kid sure didn't. And, um, but when she does, she, you know, I mean, you can still follow her, of course, but, you know, you could do a lot still, but, you know, and, and, and has she, she ever wanted to say, you know, dad, I got this now. I don't know. Well, the other night she went out to dinner with my son and their cousins and they all just went by themselves. And as she left, I was like, do you need anything? And she's like, I'm good. And I said, okay. And she went out, had a, you know, bar food type meal that was, I, you know, pretty high in fat. She did a good job with it. She came home. She mentioned, she's like, did you see how good my bolus was? And I was like, I did. That's great. And, oh my goodness. Uh, and, and I said, Proud dad, yeah, and right? I was like, no, you did good. I said, you know, um, you know that uh, we're going to be um, getting hit with the fat soon. And she's like, I know, but I don't know how much the bowl is for that. And I was like, okay, well, I would do this much. And then she did. And, um, and you know, it went the way it went. But I think that in my mind, like the idea of her getting older or not being here, whichever it ends up being, it's kind of the same problem um, that this is what's going to have to happen next. Like she's going to have to have the experiences so she can see it happen. And then I have the tools to give her. So I don't think that I expect to just download my thoughts into her. Um, yeah, I can't do that. Right. I, I expect that she's going to learn to have diabetes the same way everybody listening learns. And except, you know, she can text the guy from the podcast. 
Like You've given her pretty really much the difference. great start and kept her so healthy for so many years. Um, what What's it going to feel like for you? If presuming you're share you're, that you're still sharing and you see what she's doing when she leaves, like if you see her one day, you know, not doing so well, what's that going to be like for you? I hope that what it'll be like is that I look at it and go, this is what I've been telling people. Like, I hope I have the courage of my convictions in that point. Mm-hmm. Like that I can say, this is an experience that people need to see. And then the hope is that she'll be one of the people who doesn't want it to happen and right. not one of the people who just goes, ah, this is fine. I'll let this go. Well, I mean, she also knows how good it feels to, you know, to feel good, to feel n- kind of normal because your blood sugars are in a good range. Right. So she's not going to like the feeling and she'll feel it I hope so. at a much lower blood sugar than some of us. Yeah. Might. I mean, and then in the end, right, like, like you mentioned with your son's, at the very end, if she doesn't do the right thing, I will sit her down and explain it to her until she agrees. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job, right? I'm not I'm not here to be friendly. I, I got to make right. sure everybody's okay. I, I know. That was know? the hardest part about parenting, right? That, yeah. like, you're not the friend. You're the parent. There are times when it's rough. <laughs> I am not going to do well living the end of my life seeing my children in any kind of like massive failure, like, like personal, like I'm going to think like that will make me feel like I did something wrong. And so they can, their lives can fall apart just as long as it happens after I'm dead. That's all. I just don't, want, I just don't. But that you know that they, well, hopefully it'll be small failures and the ones that they, cause you really do learn from the failures. Of course. Almost more than the successes. Oh, and no, it's, no. It's yeah. It's really that, a truism, but it's true. No, it's 100% true. And I'm not saying they don't have things go wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that at all. I'm saying that, you know, if Arden's held up in a, in, in an apartment somewhere, and her A1C is 15, and she's like, I don't care. I'm going down hard and fast. Like, I don't want to know about that. No, no, you know? no, of course yeah, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. You know, no so, one wants to see that. Right. Um, have you ever uh, heard of the book, The Blessings of a Skin Knee? No, but I believe in it. It's a, yeah, yeah. it's really, uh, I guess it, I, I want to say it predated the whole free range parenting thing, but it really is about like life's consequences. Letting, you know, parents need, you know, need to not be helicopter parents and let life's consequences teach yeah, you, children. You can't take away the learning experiences that, that you're being given every day naturally. Yeah. Um, because then when something goes wrong, nobody's prepared for it at all. And that, and that, that can happen. Yeah, yeah. And that can go, that can happen in ways that you can't help. You know, I mean, somebody could have, I mean, if something went wrong with your life in the middle of the pandemic, for example, that'd be a difficult thing. Like even with some good calluses on your on your soul, like that still might be something harder to get through. Um, but you got to have a little callus. You know what I mean? You got to be a little tough and you can't be tough when your mom's picking you up off. the. <laughs> she's running out of the stands and picking you up off a basketball court when you're eight years old. <laughs> like You got to be like, just get up. Uh, you know, I, I remember saying to my wife. so interesting so, about having my children move across the country Mm because I will not be there to pick them up, um, you know, short of a phone call, but I won't be there. Um, And as they drove up, drove off in this Penske truck, an 18 year old and a 22 year old. And I'm thinking, 
Penske will rent to an 18 <laughs> and he's the better draw. He's the driver with more experience than my 22 year old. And, and he, um, you know, and I thought to myself, here's where I just have to trust. It's going to be, be okay. okay. Yeah. I just have to trust it. But then I am going to bang out an email. Dear, dear hurts. Your business practices are horrible. And let me tell you why. I just watched my son drive away with one of your products and that kid shouldn't be given a truck. <laughs> Well, it's funny, and they got all the way across the country, and he really, really was enjoying the driving experience. And then we got a call yesterday. They've reached LA, so that's great. Mm -hmm. And they're near the place they'll be renting. And he said, but we had an accident. I that The map had steered me through a construction site, and I needed to get out of it, and I backed up, and I kind of dinged another car. I was like, they got so far. So across. close. So close. Hey, that, those, yeah, listen, I'll know, tell you, we'll young kids. have to take kids, that one one step at a time. Let but. me tell the young kids listening, those map programs are ruining you. You don't even know where you're at, okay? Maybe look up, drive in a direction, see what happens. If it goes wrong, drive in a different direction. You'll be fine. <laughs> My son never knows where he's at. He's like, I don't you know, know. I'm following the thing. There's a difference between being like taking a drive. Like if you're, if he, do you like going out for a drive with of your course. family or your wife just just to go for a pretty drive? Have you ever done that? Yeah, no, of course. Okay, so you, if you're in a nice area and it's pretty, then you're going for a drive. If suddenly the area starts looking sketchy, then you're lost. Yeah. That's the difference. <laughs> when you're scared, you're lost. When you're not scared, you're going for it. Listen, one of the things I hope to do towards the end here, I, I know I'm saying the end, I'm about to be 50. I'm hoping to make it longer. But I'd like to get like a, an electric car, an EV, and I would like to drive around and go on some road trips and see some things that I want to see and well, you're going to have to wait for Biden to, to install lots of chargers because the 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 problem with the EV is that, and they're wonderful, and I want one too. I've mm. decided no more gas vehicles at all in our household. But um, the problem is that their range is only what their range is. So, um, you know, I, I have a friend who drives one, and she said, and and the reason we decided to get it is that when we do go on long drives, we'll just rent a car. Oh, I, I'm so, I'm counting on the Tesla network. That's what I have my fingers crossed for. That's a pretty oh. like like countrywide network. I think you can make it almost anywhere. Um, Actually, I do know you can make it across the country on a Tesla because I have a um, we have friends who did do that they moved from jacksonville to la and they made it across in their tesla because he had mapped it all out right see and i just want to get in the car and see if we can get somewhere without kelly and i strangling each other that's my goal (laughs) i want to see Ah, (laughs) i can't afford a tesla but good luck to you scott that's great i didn't say i don't know that i can either i'm just saying like that's what i'm like (laughs) that's what i'm leaning on here is the idea that maybe that's the way to do it or that maybe that they did it other companies will do it as well you know what I mean? Like, like maybe Mike, I, I see that one of the selling points of Tesla seems to be that they have that network. So maybe, mm. maybe yeah. other like car manufacturers or I don't know, companies will say, yeah, we should build a network like that as well. Like, that's my hope is that, 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 that idea will, will bear out and more people will try it and, and create networks like that. I would like to try an electric car. It just, um, from a technology standpoint before I die, like, it seems like the future, you know? Oh, it's amazing technology. I'm I, my friend drives a Chevy Bolt mm-hmm. and it you know, it, she's 2 years in, she's never had a repair and my 
I guess my mechanic was saying, well, you know, there's nothing, there's no belts. There's no, like all the things we have to repair on traditional engines. Like it's just not even there. Yeah, it's a giant slot car. It, it's two it's, turning wheels on an axle and these little, uh, these electric motors. And other than that, nothing. And some companies are starting to talk about, and I have to go, I'm sorry, I have, uh, I have to jump onto something else. But some companies are starting to talk to, and I talk about an idea of, well, I think what they call like steer by wire, meaning that at some point in the future, your steering wheel won't even have to be connected to the front axle. It, it'll be like oh. a joystick. Like you turn it and then the computer will turn the wheels commiserate to how you're turning the wheel. So interesting. I had, a, uh, I have a friend who uh, we went to the movies. This was pre pandemic with, um, I don't know, one or two of my kids. And at the we walked out of the movie theater and he said, and watch this. He was already enjoying like showing us his new Tesla. Mm -hmm. And he said, watch this. And he had the Tesla come pick us up. No driver. And that was terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like if I'm standing on a street and I see a car walk, go by with no driver, that does, that's like. <laughs> that's the future. I just want to see the future once. I was, I had a computer when I was 13, which was a long time ago. It was one of the first computers you could buy in your home. And I want to drive an electric car before I go. And by the way, before I get so old that it feels so fast and I'm like, I can't do this. I'm old. Like I just, you know, I want to get in one time and try it before that. So, oh, so. you'll be able to. Yeah, I mean, I they're so. gonna they're gonna come way down in price and oh, absolutely. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. All right, uh, this was delightful. I'm sorry I have to rush away, but um, I really appreciate you doing this. It was really delightful on this end too. I'm glad. All right. I'm so glad. Well, sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Have a great day. You must be thinking right now: Is Scott ever gonna run out of amazing guests to have on the Juice Box podcast? No, I'm not. I'm not going to. This was another one. Susan, cha-ching, paying us back with good talking. I want to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter for being a sponsor on today's episode. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a good meter, not just any meter. And I'd also like to thank Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod Promise. Go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Find out if you're eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash tubeless insulin pump. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.